right. Welcome to another edition of uh, Under the Dome. I'm your host, Alan Ulrich, uh, with my uh, partner here, Mr. Sean Williams. How are you doing tonight, Sean? Doing great, man. How about yourself? Uh, I'll be glad when preseason's over with. <laughs> oh, me and you both. Uh, I- I'm kind of like Scott Alexander, our buddy from uh, SaintsInsider.com. Uh, his post-game article on the Pittsburgh game, which we'll be discussing shortly, his uh, post-game article says, hey, at least the scoreboard was bright. <laughs> <laughs> it was. That, I was at the game, and it definitely was. It definitely was. It well, was are, the, the... are the new video boards everything that they've been... Uh... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where I was sitting, you know, I'm not going to brag, but where I was sitting in a suite, it was hard for me to see it because it was an overhang. Uh, but, oh, yeah, when those things were lit up, uh, at some points I thought, why the lights out over there, over the low, the uh, the terrace section? And you find out, you know, that was just how much light those boards put out. So uh, wow. it was that they are impressive. It really is. It, it is uh, a, an incredible, incredible investment in the dome. Um, I'm just totally blown away. It, it really is bringing the dome into the 21st century. Uh, before that's all said and done, that building is going to look brand new inside. Uh, you know, so that's been people my, talk about. Well, been, I was going to say people talk about a new dome, uh, a new stadium for the Saints. Uh, they are they're going to modernize the stadium. It's going to it, it it's going to be an impressive facility when all when they finish everything they're doing. They're redoing all the seats. Uh, it's it's just beautiful. It really is. Uh, well, that was my only uh, – I'm not going to say complaint on it because the first time, first Saints game that I went to, which was uh, Cam Newton's rookie year, uh, the final game of the season we played them at – That was your first Saints game you ever went to? Yep. All right. <laughs> but anyway – uh, <laughs> I walked in uh, that Superdome and walked out to my seat, and I was just like uh, Rudy's dad in that movie. My wife looks at me and she said, "What's the matter?" And I said, "This is the most beautiful thing that my eyes have ever seen." I went to Saints games in the dome, and you can guess the year when they used to have carpeting down those ramps, okay? My brother and I used to race each other down the ramps and try and drive each other into the wall and things like that as we're coming around the turn. Um, they had square light fixtures. They had the orange scoreboard. They had um, smoking was still allowed in the dome so that the upper deck was just this cloud, <laughs> this haze. Uh, we used to cheer paper airplanes landing on the field. Uh, the gondola was down there. And Anyone who was there in the 1970s will never forget the deafening, deafening loud volume of Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, home of the sizzling steaks, and they crank up that sizzle right at the end, and just like, oh God, you know. So, <laughs> and I was also there when Archie was playing so badly. His Royal Oldsmobile commercial came on the big gondola screens, and the crowd booed the commercial. That's just that's, that. That's that's what it was like back then. That's bad. Yeah. Well, before so, we yeah. get too far out, before Absolutely. we get too far out of the gates, uh, 
take a moment to thank our sponsor, Fan First Productions. Thank you guys for uh, for backing us on this. And invite everyone to go to iTunes and download the audio-only version of our, our podcasts. Yes, because I have a face made for audio. I do not have a face for video. Thank you. Yes, indeed. I'm not even going to go there. Uh, <laughs> also, we want to continue uh, what we can do to raise awareness and uh, support for our our brothers in this brothers and sisters in this state who are suffering due to the damage caused by the floods. Uh, I don't know how many of you may be aware of uh, there's a former player from from this area or from that area uh, played for the Steelers named Ryan Clark. But he has set up something. Um, it is text the word Batten, that's B-A-T-O-N, to 71777 to contribute to the Baton Rouge flood relief efforts. And you can also, the, the number that we've been, uh, we've been plugging all along, uh, you can text LA floods. That's L A F L O O D S to the number nine zero nine 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 to make a $10 contribution to the American red cross for flood relief efforts. Also, oh, and I don't mean to interrupt real quick, Sean. For sure. those who go, who are going to go to the game, uh, Thursday night in the dome, they're doing a 50, 50 raffle, uh, for the, uh, for the flood relief. So please find the people who are wearing like these bright, you know, safety orangish yellow, uh, fluorescent kind of green jackets, any of those jackets, uh, give, donate the money. The money is going to flood relief and you have a chance to win some of the money, you know, they got, they raising that night. Uh, I think they raised in a space of, uh, three hours last weekend, last Friday night, uh, over $25,000. So please, if you go to the Saints game Thursday night, uh, find one of those people, do the 50-50 raffle. I beg you. It's, these people need all the help they can get. Also on our, uh, our Facebook page, which you guys can follow us on Facebook at the Under the Dome podcast page. You can follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome PO1. And, uh, but anyway, uh, my wife, I posted something last week. Uh, my wife sells Origami Owl customizable jewelry. And she, uh, they had made a deal where they were going to sell these particular uh, types of things. And a dollar from everyone sold went towards the relief efforts in Louisiana. And my wife told me earlier today that they raised something in the neighborhood of $63,000 doing that. So I just wanted to update you guys on that. Uh, we want to take a minute to wish a happy birthday to some more of our guys. If you guys have a birthday, let us know about it where we can give you a shout out on here. We we love to, uh, to honor the people that take time out of their schedule to follow us and support us. And this week, our birthdays are Tommy Spann. Shelburne, you guys hope you had a wonderful birthday and thanks for your support. All right, yes, happy birthday. Um, okay, so today was the day that all NFL teams had to cut their roster down to 75 players. 
Uh, the Saints made some moves today. Nothing really, really shocking about anybody who was let go. Uh, one of the guys, I, well, two of the guys I thought in the beginning of camp had a good chance of, of making the team, uh, Rashawn Allen, the tight end, and R.J. Harris, uh, the wide receiver. Both of them were cut today. Um, and, again, it was really no surprise. You saw the Houston game two weeks ago. Uh, Rashawn Allen really had a, a terrible game. He struggled. Uh, he had two uh, easy passes, including one touchdown pass that could have at least tied the game, uh, go right through his hands. Um, Chris Manhurts apparently has surpassed him. And I thought his roster spot was 10 years at best because we had signed John Kuhn, the fullback. And uh, he was really – Rashawn, he's a Southern grad – uh, he really, his niche was going to be a blocking fullback, kind of that H-back role. And we don't know what happened with Hooman. Uh, he is he was injured uh, in the final preseason game against the Steelers. And uh, we have not heard anything other than he just being evaluated. But from what it looked like at the game, it like it was pretty serious, like it was an ankle, possible knee injury. Uh, where he could miss significant time. So Rashawn Allen is gone, and the other one is R.J. Harris. He was Mr. July. Uh, he had an outstanding RT, uh, uh, OTA and uh, mini training camp, and uh, when it came time to put the pads on, he sort of disappeared. And we've already talked about Tommy Lee Lewis had pretty much surpassed him uh, on a depth chart, and Tommy Lee Lewis was one of the ones who caught the touchdown pass, caught a touchdown pass in the game. So, again, you know, he's somebody who could possibly come back on practice squad, but, you know, he just had an opportunity, just didn't take advantage of it. Sean, sure. did, you, did you see any surprises today? Not really what I would call surprises. Um, I think at this point, uh, as our friend Scott Alexander and I were talking about, uh, the first round of cuts, there's not really a great deal of surprises. Um, it's all, at least for the 75 cut, it's all about quality snaps, uh, favorable looks that you're going to get over the those first three preseason games. And, and you know, for whatever reason, guys like Harris uh, – some of the other ones along the defensive line, Ewells, for example, uh, it's not a knock at all on their ability. It's just that during game situations in the preseason games, they weren't uh, afforded quality looks. Uh, As far as RJ, you know, erratic quarterback play uh, affected, I believe, affected his effectiveness as far as making the roster because he, he uh, they didn't consistently get him the ball, which is, right. uh, which is all part of it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not making excuses for anyone, but uh, my point is you're only going to be remembered by that coaching staff for what you showed on the field. One, I mean, training camp practices are one thing, uh, once you strap the pads on in somebody else's venue, uh, what you've done in practice is pretty much going to be in the back of the mind. What you do on game time, even a simulated game, such as a preseason game, 
that's all that they're going to have to go on as far as what you're able to do. But to answer your question, uh, no, there wasn't anything that really surprised me. Um, I think that all the guys that I had more or less in a position of being on the bubble, guys like, uh, for example, Damian Swan, uh, just, just to speak on him, I looked for him to be on the bubble, maybe not for the 75 cut, but definitely for the 53 cut. I think that more than likely all the surprise, quote air quotes, uh, those surprises will be, what is it, Saturday, the third? Yeah, the third, yeah. Sure. Well, you know, and then they also made uh, a move to, uh, they traded a seventh-round conditional pick uh, with the Dolphins to go pick up uh, a defensive end, and they've also uh, brought Paul Kruger in as another possible defensive end who got released from the Browns. Um, and this is going to dovetail nicely with what we we're talking about with the game. You know, this roster, uh, what we're seeing right now, unlike previous years, what we're seeing right now is this roster is very much in flux. Uh, the final 53 guys may not even be, all of them may not even be on this roster as of yet. In fact, I can almost guarantee that. Um, yeah you're going to see the Saints really look over the transaction wire, you know, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Guys who make the team on Sunday may get cut by Tuesday and replaced by other people that teams have let go. Um, I still expect to see a trade of some sort. I don't know what kind of trade they're going to make, but I think they're going to have to make a move or guard. Uh, People just aren't going to let go good guard players right now. You're going to have to trade for somebody. And we don't have much to trade other than draft picks. So, you know, do you agree agree with that? I don't mean to interrupt. Do you agree, uh, agree with that practice? Because there's the reason that I ask, there's a lot of people that really want to, uh, get sideways of the practice, so to speak of, trading away, in their words, trading away your future for trying to win now, which is what they deem trading your draft picks for. Well, you know, the Saints do that anyway. Uh, They do that on draft day. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with the picks they made, but clearly them moving up to get a second, second round pick when they took, and, you know, Trading up like they like to do. They're already sacrificing their future. You know, they are getting rid they are trading draft picks from that draft or the next year's draft to move up in the draft to take a player they really like. You know, so a seventh round conditional pick, and I imagine one of the conditions is McLean uh, makes the team, you know, uh, which if you really wanted to be um, an asshole, you know, if the Saints wanted to do it like this, they could theoretically cut – if McLean, they like McLean, they could cut him, play that first week at Oakland, and bring him back, you know, that second week, and he technically doesn't cost them anything. You know, um, I wouldn't put anything past these guys right now. You would get your seventh-round draft pick back if that's the way they did the trade, which I'm pretty sure they did. Uh, you for, could get your for anyone – yeah. 
for anyone who's unaware exactly what it is that Alan's talking about, <laughs> yesterday, as we're making these cuts to get down to the league-mandated 75-man roster, uh, yesterday the Saints made a trade for with trading with the Dolphins a conditional seventh-round draft pick for defensive end Chris McCain. Chris McClain. McClain. Okay. Uh, uh, The book on McClain seems to be that there's really – he's really an excellent player. He just suffers from the disadvantage of being on the same uh, team as Cameron Wake, Mario Williams, and Deion Jordan. Okay, you can stop screaming at the, at the monitor right now. It's Chris McCain, McCain, not McLean. It's McCain. McLean is still in you know Nagatomi Plaza right now, trying to get out. So it's McCain. <laughs> okay. Uh, in other news, mother. Uh, here we go. All right, let's okay. go back. In other news, uh, we also made a deal yesterday. We signed. Uh, a 35 year old guard uh, Barnes. I I don't know what kind of verification they had on his age, but he showed up at the team facility using a walker. Uh, (laughs) Khalif Barnes. He's uh, he has from what I understood. Now you may have a better uh, working knowledge of this than I, from what I understand for the last three seasons, he's played guard for the Raiders. Correct. You know, I think that's right. Uh, I just didn't. I didn't really Google this guy too much because yeah. uh, I honestly well, don't expect him back. Um, so I don't. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it'll take me a second to find this guy real quick. Okay, and, and while you do that, also the uh, just to make it fresh in everyone's mind the the uh the other cuts that were made yesterday fullback Sion Huma uh wide receiver Jared Dangerfield guard Cyril Lemon linebacker Jeff Schottmer linebacker Dylan Lee wide receiver Jeff Schottmer was not cut Jeff Schottmer was not cut yes Uh, that they made that distinction today I stand corrected yes he will be uh, starting, I believe, Thursday night, correct? Uh, if he's not starting, he'll be playing a lot. And I imagine that's because I don't think they want to put Stephon Anthony out there again. Uh, sure. I think, they're, I think they'd be very guarded with him. So I don't blame him. Uh, linebacker Dylan Lee, wide receiver Reggie Bell, safety Jamal Golden, long snapper Chris Highland, and defensive back Jimmy Pruitt was waived which more than likely means he'll clear waivers because nobody's going to claim an injured player. Uh, Uh, Yeah. And then uh, today's are somewhere. Give me one moment. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I went and I looked up Barnes, Khalif Barnes, while – sorry about that. That was my dog. Uh, Khalif Barnes had been playing with the Oakland Raiders since 2009. So it was 2009 and 2015. Uh yeah, he started out, he was a second-round pick back in 2005. Uh, he was drafted by the Jaguars, and he was moved. Uh, he was a, great as a, a good run blocker. 
Uh, he had trouble with, uh, as a left tackle, he had trouble with pass pressures. They moved him inside the guard with the Raiders, and he did fairly well with the Raiders. I mean, he, you know, for for a uh, for a 34, 35-year-old guard, he was okay. It was not anything, not anything to write home about, but he's a body to brought in, try and do something. Um you know, I still think they're going to try and bring in somebody younger, much better to fill in as a starting role. But I know. do as well, but I don't look for that to happen until after the 53 Here's Here's the issue. I mean, we've talked about this before. You had two guards that the Saints tried to get. One, the draft pick, uh, Joshua Garrett from Stanford. The other one, Alex Boone from the 49ers, ended up going over to the Vikings. Um and the rest of the guards either went off the board in draft or in free agency, or they just felt like weren't much better than what they have right now. So the Saints have tried. So they're signing this guy just in case they can't, still can't find anybody. Or let's just say Leary is the, uh, the target. Dallas Cowboys want a first-round pick for Leary or nothing else, or a second-round pick and a player and nothing else. And the Saints like, no, it's not worth that kind of that kind of deal. Um, you know, so it, there's a number of ways it can go, but this is just one of those many backup plans they're trying to put together, you know, so I'm not penciling Barnes in as, as somebody who's going to make the final 50, uh, 30, 53, sorry, uh, almost at 45, uh, final 53, but he is a backup plan. Um, and that, you know, talking about how they played in that Steelers game, um, must we? You know, it was probably a lot worse to watch it at home than it was in the stadium because I wasn't really watching what was going on per se. I was watching individual battles. Um, sure. You're not going to put Rasheed Wallace one-on-one with Antonio Brown in the regular season game, okay? So, you know, he gets burned. P.J. Williams got burned. But – if you watch the whole game, if you watch the, if you could see those players the whole game, they did some good things too. So it was a kind of a teachable moment for these guys to learn how to deal with one of the probably the arguably the best receiver in the NFL right now. Um, sure, the, the Steelers are built to win it all this year. They they sense you know New England. You don't know what you're going to get. You got four games without Tom Brady. Is New England susceptible right now? You can get home field advantage over them just by them having struggled in those first four games. The Broncos, defending champions, still got the great defense, no quarterback. Um, they're going to start a guy who has zero NFL starts. And they're in a market for probably an experienced quarterback. They're about ready to cut ties with Mark Sanchez. Sanchez will probably end up in Dallas, uh, backing up Dallas. Uh, Dak Prescott, uh, while Tony Romo gets moved to um, recallable IR, I'm sure, because with his broken vertebrae. And then we find out today, Teddy Bridgewater has a compound fracture, which anybody who remembers Joe Theismann uh, from 1985, his compound fracture, this was a non-contact injury. Apparently, he stepped wrong. Uh, they, there's, I'm reading now that it could be a dislocated knee as well. Um, 
you read all kinds of things. They said players got sick on the field seeing it, that kind of stuff. Uh, so I've, now the Vikings have no quarterback. I've read everything this afternoon from a um, a compound fracture to a completely uh, obliterated ACL to one thing. So I don't know exactly what it is that's accurate on that. But They probably that's, don't even know. Uh, sure. But now, judging from the reports, the reaction of the players, the reaction of the staff and everything, and the fact that it's a week left of preseason and 25 minutes in, you call practice, mm-hmm. that that yeah. sounded pretty serious to me. So Right. And he was – he was air. He was airlifted out of there, I believe. He had an air cast on. He was, you know, they ran him right to the emergency room. <coughs> so, uh, so here the Vikings in a market for a quarterback too. So you know, you see a lot of these teams that are, you know, it's possibilities where the Saints could make a move. I don't know, um, but there's a lot of teams looking for something. So you know, here we are looking at the Pittsburgh game going, oh, my God, the offensive line's a mess. Oh, my God, we can't rush the passer. passer. Uh, you know, what? A, we are like a 3-13 a and 13 team right now. But then you look around the league and you see almost every team has gaping holes somewhere, every up-and-coming team especially. Um, so there's going to be a lot of movement. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for the Saints to, to do something with some of these teams. Uh, I don't know if McCown is a is a uh, option to trade right now. Uh, I don't trust Garrett Grayson. He was terrible yeah. in the Steelers game, to put it mildly. Oh, um, I don't. I don't think he was terrible because you know he uh, he almost threw that running back, but he hit that open linebacker in stride. Twice. Yeah, yeah. The timing was completely off on the first interception. Uh, because you can clearly see, you know, Murphy was already across before Garrett even let the ball go. So the time was off on that. And then the second pass, there was absolutely no arc to that ball at all. He threw it right to the linebacker where he's supposed to get more of an arc and try and drop it in the hole in the zone. So, I mean, neither neither play was it a tricky <laughs> coverage or anything like that. It was just terrible, terrible read. And I still have trouble with his fundamentals. Uh, he has, he still has bad fundamentals or he gets lazy the longer he's out there and does all the things that he was doing in college. The first couple of plays, he's good. Quick, quick drop, you know, holding the ball up high, all the things you're supposed to do as a good, as an NFL quarterback. But as the plays go on, as he's out there longer, you know, he gets a little lazier holding the ball. He gets a little lazier in his in his footwork. Uh, he tries to throw more with the torque of his body than stepping into the throw. Um, that touchdown pass, in fact, he was on a rollout, a design rollout. And if he would have stepped more into the throw instead of trying to throw on the run, you know, that would have been a much easier ball for Tommy Lee Lewis to catch instead of having to come down so low because the ball kind of died on him. Instead of yeah. having to come down so low, catch it, turn, and then make a nice dive for the end zone. Um, and that's, you know, it, it's just something he needs to work on. He needs to constantly be working on that. You've seen that commercial with Tom Brady, I'm sure. I think it's for Under Armour where they show him 
working out, and then they multiply his, his body, and they multiply and multiply. So you see an entire field of people going through fundamentals. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that, uh, that Grayson needs to do is work on his fundamentals, work on his drops, work on just his, his ball handling, work on, you know, his setup, work on all that stuff, you know, and it gets frustrating when you watch him because you can see what the scout saw in him. You can yeah. see he's got fantastic mobility. He's he's good when he rolls out of the pocket. He is good uh, at looking downfield. But his his fundamentals, especially his footwork, just needs so much more developing right now. He's he's not ready to be a number two quarterback. But we may not have a choice if a team is willing to trade a quality offensive lineman for a backup quarterback. I don't know. And, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not in, involved in any of the meeting rooms or anything. I'll carry uh, his bags for him. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, I, and I, I feel so alone and so abused, but my evaluation on this Pittsburgh game, don't read too much into it. Now, before I say anything, yes, I do understand that there's issues on the offensive line. And despite what a lot of people may say to you, I'm just as concerned. And uh, it, that doesn't escape me. But consider something. The New England Patriots, the Houston Texans, Pittsburgh Steelers, we have played three playoff teams from the American Football Conference from last year. When it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're playing what very well, as you alluded to, what very well may be one of the most experienced and best vertical attacks in the league. You know, our uh, our cornerbacks are young, and they're going to have to have a learning curve as we move through this. And if they get torched and embarrassed by Antonio Brown. Uh, I've seen him do that to a lot better players than what we have on our roster right now. I, I don't I don't want to read too much into it. I don't want to jump off of the ledge right now because Pittsburgh beat us. Uh, maybe I'm naive. Maybe I, I'm just – I'm reaching uh, – we weren't Here, supposed to go in there and spank Pittsburgh. Well, here's the thing. You know, people are so used to the Saints doing to other teams what the Steelers did to us in that first quarter. And to see that happen to us gets people really upset, considering we're coming off of two back-to-back 79 seasons. We're playing a much harder schedule in general than we did sure. last year. So, you know – there's a lot to be concerned about. Look, I look at it this way. That 2015 team was probably the least talented Saints team that Sean Payton has ever had. Um, you had a combination of age, injuries, and then youthful players in so many spots. It just was not a very good team. And you've had five years essentially of bad drafting from 2009 
2015 or 2014, uh, you've had a lot of bad drafts, especially on the defensive side. Um, so when you saw Johnny Evans, you know, lose a step, when you saw Zach Streif lose a step, when you saw, you know, nothing behind, um, you know, Mark Ingram uh, until Tim Hightower, we, we pulled him off the scrap pile, essentially. Tim Hightower comes in. Uh, you know, that that's why you have so much problems as far as getting a team that's consistently competitive that all you're doing is reloading, you're not rebuilding. Um, I mean, there's no other way around that. So you had a good draft in 2015. I think you had a better draft in 2016, but that's still not enough players. You add that with you have $22 million in dead cap money because of moves you made when you let a promising defensive end, pass rushing defensive end, Junior Gallette go, which you had to do. Uh, sure. You, you bombed at cornerback. Um with your draft picks, you know, Patrick Robinson, Corey White, we can go on and on on those picks. You know, you bombed at that, so you had to fill the cornerback. Your linebackers were a disaster. You know, you haven't drafted a good linebacker until Stephon Anthony. You haven't drafted a good linebacker since Mark Fields in 1995 because, you know, so you have a disaster at linebacker. You overpaid for Jarius Bird. And he was injured, you know. So you've got guys coming in to play uh, your safety position, like uh, Jamarcus, San- uh, Jamarcus Sanford. You've got, you know, you're pulling in guys that just are not your upper echelon safeties, corners, linebackers, defensive linemen. So you have to focus on rebuilding that, Okay. If you spend all your time trying to get defensive players, when age hits your offensive line, you've got the same issues, except you spent all your time trying to build a defense. Sure. So you've got a young defense, and you've got aging players in your offensive line that you had to replace, and you're trying to replace them with undrafted free agents or trades. It just it, – it, you can't get it all together. So let's say, for example, the Saints take – uh, a, a guard in the second round. They take uh, one of the other guards. They didn't get the guy, uh, Garrett. Now you don't have Mike Thomas. Now you don't have Von Bell. Did you get better? Because without Mike Thomas there, is your, is your receiving core better? You know, that's, that's the trade-off you have to make. You can't right. get both. You can't that's get right. it all, especially if you're trading up and sacrificing picks to go up and go get a player that you want. I think so, I think that the important thing that people need to understand about this, a year ago, you had a hole at left guard. That was basically a revolving door with Lolito, with Kelamit, uh, Pete even. Mm-hmm. It was just a steady influx and, and what have you of different players okay well you limp through the season you get out of that well in the off season you part ways with a six time out of 10 years a six time pro bowler at the other guard position 
these issues aren't going to fix themselves. They're, they're not going to magically disappear. They're not going to go away. They're, they're not going to just magically uh, solve themselves. You had a problem, and the problem was compounded by the fact that for whatever the reason was, you parted ways with your other guard. Well, now you got well, two holes to fill. Well, yeah, you're, you know, Evans was a ten-time, six-time Pro Bowler, was a ten-year veteran, uh, but he was clearly he had clearly lost a step. You could see that oh, even in the 2014 I, season. I, I so, completely agree with that. You know, as well as Streep. I mean, they're yeah, not, they're not even. And they both came in 2006. So you know, you're still living off the 2006 draft. You know, we're now ten years past that. So, and 10 years for an NFL lineman, 10 years is like dog years. So, you know, it feels right. like it's a lot longer. So, yeah, I mean, again, we have so many holes to fill at one time that there's only so much you can do. It's going to take two or three years to rebuild this team. Sure. Um, you know, and the bad part about it is you've got the ticking clock at number nine. You've got Drew Brees, who's going to be now a year older, another year without making the playoffs, maybe, you know, and that's what is driving fans crazy because it's like, okay, well, how much longer? And then they look at how much he's making and they think somehow that if we can just take his money and spend it on other players, you know, we'll get better. Well, that didn't work with Brandon Browner. It didn't work with Jarius Bird. No, it didn't work with Curtis Lofton. It didn't work with, uh, uh, David Hawthorne, it didn't work. It worked with uh, Keenan Lewis when he was still healthy and still good. It worked with Jari Evans, I mean, Jabari, I mean, Jabari Greer, sorry. But, and you kind of got by with Ben Grubbs. But, you know, at some point you have to bring in a young rookie who has to step in like Teron Armstead. You have to draft those kind of players. Well, and Well, basically the only thing that, what I was just talking about coming into this training camp, instead of having the revolving door from last year, you've got two holes that you've got to fill. And basically you've done two things to address that. You've moved a number one draft pick from a year ago into a guard spot that he's never played. And you signed what half a dozen undrafted free agents to come to training mm -hmm. camp. Mm -hmm. I get it. I understand that there's issues on this offensive line. I give, and maybe uh, maybe I'm just as naive as I've been accused of being this week. Maybe wrongly so, but I give Sean Payton the benefit of the doubt. He's an offensive mind. He's not a defensive coach. He's an offensive guy. Uh, in the 10 years, someone posted this in our group the other night. In the 10 years that he's been coaching New Orleans, the New Orleans offense has finished the season first four times, second two times, fourth two times, and fifth two times. You know, I think that that has bought him the benefit of the doubt, at least with me it has. Um, I understand well, why defense has become a priority. Because defense wasn't – in the past two seasons, defense has not just been bad. It has been monumentally, historically bad. 
I, I'm, well, I was going to say, let me just say this real quick. I was going to say that um, Rob Ryan has, the Rob Ryan experiment has set this defense back too. You know, Absolutely. I, uh, I don't argue that a bit. 2013 was the aberration, but you saw how Rob Ryan really was come, you know, 2014, 2015. You know, you saw how bad his defense could be. And that had set you back. You did not have – Ryan Pace had done a good job in the first few years uh, with drafting and so forth, especially offensive players. We've drafted – great offensive players. We've drafted very poorly on defense. We've tried to change this with Jeff Ireland, trying to – we've had a better draft now. Uh, we can only hope to keep doing that. But, again, going back to what we were talking about before, you can't fill all the holes at one time as much as we'd like to. So here's yeah. the issue. So here's the issue. We've, we've talked about the other things. Now, in order to win anything, are you willing to sacrifice – Draft picks now, because that's what really you have to offer. Uh, sacrifice draft picks to try and fill a hole with somebody who may or may not work out for you. You know, a veteran. We're trying to bring another veteran. And are we band-aiding a problem for another season? Um, we've talked about Pete, for example, and I've said this before. Um, you know, people want to call him a bust. He was drafted. He played primarily left tackle. We've moved him all over the line. We drafted him with the idea of putting him at right tackle and playing, replacing Streif. Last week, we talked about how he kind of wasted his first two weeks of training camp playing left tackle because Armstead was out. Uh, he may end up having to play left tackle again if Armstead cannot be there for the uh, for the Oakland game, which all indications are he's supposed to be. But he may end up playing left tackle again. We're talking about moving now left guard from right guard. He's played every position but center. Yeah. Would you do that with a player like uh, Max Unger? Would you try him in all the different spots because he's an all-pro center? No, you wouldn't do that. If you have Willie Rofe still on this team, would you move Willie Rofe to guard or right tackle um, when he's obviously a Hall of Fame left tackle player? Absolutely No, you not. wouldn't do that. And, you know, when you do that to a player, especially a young player like Pete, you know – Again, going back to what we're talking about racing, muscle memory, getting picking up all the habits you learned in college. He's been playing football now for 12 years or more, okay? Assuming he started when he was like in seventh or sixth grade, okay? He's been playing football for 12 years or more. He has muscle memory. He remembers, okay, if I'm left tackle, this is the foot I start off on. This is how I'm going to take a guy. Now you're moving to the right guard, okay? Different position entirely. Everything you know, he has changes. to work more. In, yeah, he has to work in tandem now with the the right tackle and the center. Okay, now we're gonna move to left tackle, I mean left guard. Okay, so now I'm starting again on the foot that I would start off as an as a uh, left tackle, but I'm still playing a guard, so I can't make. I got to make sure I don't step too far back. We saw in the Houston game we tripped over somebody trying to do yeah. uh, trying to pull out on a uh, on a on a guard sweep. You know so. These kind of things. That's why I think Sean Payton, in fact, is going to play his starters in uh, in Baltimore because or against Baltimore because yeah. of how sloppy this offense looks right now. Um, you know, it, it it is not crisp. 
They do not look sharp. They can't run the football. You know, there's absolutely no continuity whatsoever in this offense. No rhythm through three games. Now, yeah. uh, for what whatever the reason is that that falls on, it doesn't really make any difference. The bottom line is still the same. Bottom line is we're what two weeks out from week one and. Yeah something's got to give uh you got to get something established and something started you know again going back to pete i would have gone uh, i'm sorry i would have let uh Clemente and uh, Lido and turner and all the rest of those guys battle it out for guard and i just would have put pete at right tackle starting at the OTAs and starting with minicamp and just let him and Street battle it up, pretend like he would never play guard for me. And to let be, all go there. To be totally honest with you, and, and if you remember, I, I don't know if this is too obscure, if you remember a while back, I, I made the comment that before this season is out, Pete will be uh, will take Street's job. Oh, well, it's going to have to because, first off, I don't think Street's going to finish the season healthy. Absolutely. Uh, Be that because of injury, whatever. I don't see Pete being able to maintain the grind for another year. No, he's been injured based, the past two years, too. Yeah, based on what I, I saw last year, his eroding talent level, uh, I, I, I'm i not real optimistic for Pete. Now, what does that do to – to all the plans and all the everything that they're making, excuse me, making now on the offensive line. I don't know. Well, you can get by. I read Ralph Marlborough, and he is dead on right. You can get by with one average guard or poor guard. You can't get by with two. So well, you're you, going to have you know, to make a move. You know, uh, Alan. I again, I, I've taken a lot of heat that, and grief this week, but I. I I've been watching and learning and seeing the way things work in this league for a long time. Now, I'm not as forceful and uh, demanding with my opinion as some people that you and I (laughs) uh, encounter on a regular basis. But now I'm going to say this. Things are good. And this is in reference to the Saints. And Cowboys fans can take it just as easily in terms of uh, Dak Prescott, when you get out of this preseason, things are going to change. The speed changes. The uh, the intensity level changes. The, the defensive schemes that Dak Prescott is going to see are going to be way different. The uh, and, and to get a, not to get sidetracked on Dak Prescott by any means, but in terms of the New Orleans offense, when you get out of the preseason, you're going to get a little deeper in your playbook. You're going to run a little – you're going to game plan, not to use a tag for, tag word or anything, but you're going to game plan a little stronger to your strengths and avoid your weaknesses a little more than you do in the preseason. You're, you're not looking to get an isolated matchup to evaluate a player during this season things are going to be absolutely look you know i I, this we you notice we haven't talked about the defense a whole lot we've we've really focused on the offensive line which is a change from the previous seasons (laughs) um you know we're always talking about you know defense 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 um 
good example of what you were just talking about. I watched, you know, Tyler Davidson get pulled out on second and third down all night in that first half uh, against the Steelers. And they were putting in on Yamada. And they were putting him in on first and second down, too, at, towards the end of the second quarter and most of the third quarter. And, again, that's what you were talking about. They're counting on this guy now who a lot of us assumed was going to pretty much redshirt his uh, yeah. year because of the injury to uh, to the first-round draft pick, Sheldon Rankins. They're counting this guy to get in there and do something. And I'll yeah. tell you one thing. That man is country strong. And when I say country strong, that is somebody who is, you know, like, you know, from Blazing Saddles, Mongo. You know, he is, he is Mongo. Uh, and when he puts it all together, he's going to be a devastating defensive lineman because he's quick and he's strong. I watched him grab a guard and just shove him to the back. Okay? Now, the play ran away from him, but he just took his guard and just carried him back there with no no moves, nothing. Just grabbed onto him and just threw him back there. And that was a 300-pound man who was picking up like that. So, you know, there, there's, a, there's some optimism in there, too. Rankins, sure. is not, Rankins is not going to be out as long as we, you know, we feared. He should be back by, by you know, after the bye week. Um, so, yeah, the defense looked pretty poor against the Steelers. And like we were talking about, you know, the Steelers are going to make a lot of people look bad. But I'm not hitting the panic button on the, on the defense yet. Oh, um, absolutely not. I think the defense will give up a lot of yardage. But if in the red zone they can force teams to, to three points and get a couple of turnovers a game, uh, or at least a turnover a game, you know, we have a much better chance of winning, okay, even yes. though we're playing teams that are more talented than we are. It's the offense that has to carry this team. You have to give Drew Brees time. He was 9-12 with that bad offensive line. So, you know, he did get things going. Willie Snead made an outstanding grab. Michael Absolutely. Thomas was not really involved in this game. I think they were deliberately targeting, uh, you know, Fleener to get him into the rhythm of the game. Uh, we're, in a second, we're about to do the three up, three down, and one of my three ups would be uh, Spiller. I thought I saw a lot out of Spiller, kick returning and catching the ball and running. With uh, he looked more like the Spiller we saw in Buffalo than the Spiller we saw over in uh, in the Saints last year. Uh, mm-hmm. So there is some things to 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 be positive on. It's just can we get past the weaknesses of this offensive line? Can we get enough people in there to protect Drew enough and not get the holding calls that eliminate big plays like the big pass play to uh, Fleener that we can get down there and do something, okay? And in that regard, you can't really go by preseason totally because there are some things they were doing in preseason to try and see what, what they had to work with in a game-like situation that you probably would not see in the regular season game. Um, I think that's that may be one of the absolute most overlooked facets of the preseason game that fans may or may not be aware of, but even the ones that are aware of it uh, 
when your team doesn't score as many points as the other team, it's real easy to lose track of reality. But the reality is preseason games are about creating matchups and evaluating talent. They're not about scoring points. They're not about winning games. And people people don't get – or I'm not going to say they don't get it, but they don't remember that the way that they, they get do. They get caught up in the whole it's a football game. They're dressed it's – sure. it, it's a glorified practice, but – it's a football game. They're dressed in uniforms. They got all the you know light, sound effect, all the, all the stuff that you see at a game. It looks like a real game, but it's not a real game. Okay, I, so I'm not going to panic on it. Uh, as far as the defense goes with the Pittsburgh game, uh, plain simple, uh, no frills. Learn learn what you can from it. Move on. Yeah. Real you quick, just, my. I was going to say real quick, my three up, three down real quick. I think my three ups are going to be uh, – I saw a lot of good things out of Fleener, uh, you know, C.J. Spiller. I saw a lot of positives behind that. And believe it or not, uh, my other three up is really the linebacker position in general. You know, I, I see a lot of potential in the linebackers outside of the Steelers game where they were doing different things that weren't quite – which you would normally see, I see a lot of positives behind that. And the three down, obviously, anybody playing guard for the Saints right now, the offensive line in general, uh, Pete, and, um, you know, the, the, uh, the injuries right now is my third, my third one. Um, losing Human, losing, uh, uh, you know, uh, Armstead, Armstead, Lasco. Um, we've got, especially late in that game, we were getting out hit out there, and that was really disturbing, especially, you know, the, the Steelers were getting penalized. There were a lot of cheap shots going on there. The, sure. the hit on Murphy and the hit on Lasco both were extremely cheap shots. Um, but, you know, I just thought my third my, – my, my thing would be is, you know, we look dead out there, and that is never a good thing. We, you know, for guys fighting for a job – you weren't very enthusiastic in that second half. You weren't really getting after the Steelers like they were getting after us. And I, that did not look good. My three up would be um, Tommy Lee Lewis, who uh, yeah. from all indications is going to not only surpass the 75-man cut, but will more than likely make the 53-man cut as well. Um, and – P.J. Williams, I, I think he's going to learn from what he experienced. <laughs> he and Devontae Harris both got abused the other night, but I think that they're going to come back stronger from that. And I think that's all that, that you can ask of them because, I mean, they're kids. They're going to have to to learn this. And, unfortunately, at this level, that's going to involve learning it the hard way sometimes. But if you're going to learn from someone, why not the best receiver in the game? and Antonio Brown. Uh, my third one for three up, uh, let me see. That's going to be kind of hard. <laughs> but <laughs> the three down were much easier. Uh, as far as the third three up, I'm going to go with the defense as a whole. Uh, I think that they're going to take what happened against Pittsburgh it wasn't so much that the defense couldn't this or the offense couldn't that. It That team came out there with a total and complete lack. And I I, I want 
more than a statement. I'm I'm asking this of you because you were there and you can give me more <laughs> of an accurate read than what I could get on the TV screen. There was absolutely no emotion, no no, no fire. There was more in Foxborough, Massachusetts two weeks ago than there was as they came home for their first home game. Was that or was that not correct? That's accurate. That's accurate because uh, after big hits, I watched the uh, Steelers sideline light up and they were jumping around and screaming and things like that. And I never saw that at all in the Saints game. It was just more or less, let's get this over with. Um, And it showed up there. One of the biggest and most important aspects of the Saints – game that's going to have to happen for them to become a a relevant team again the superdome is going to have to become a dangerous place for opponents to come and play like it used to be There's that's no gonna, that's about that that's gonna be up to the saints unfortunately they're gonna win they're gonna have to make that happen because uh, the crowd will respond when we're playing well speaking of which um we are uh, we're going to have a, a season kickoff special on September 10th, uh, where we're going to try and preview the season for the Saints, uh, talk about the rest of the NFC South, uh, talk about who we think is going to be the uh, defend the Super Bowl participants, I should say, uh, for Super Bowl 52, and uh, my 51, sorry, 51, trying to really advance on us now. Uh, I lost and, the year uh, somewhere. What happened? Yeah, you sure did. You sure did. Super Bowl 51. And, uh, you know, where we think the Saints will end up. And uh, I think we'll have a pretty good idea by that time because we'll have a 53-man roster. We'll have a good – we'll do yeah. a preview of the Raiders game and so forth. So join us then. We may go uh, – we're talking about going for a whole two hours, so we're not – cramming this so much in one hour like we are right now, but um, look forward to seeing you then. Uh, we're hoping to maybe if things go well, we're, we're hoping to have some special guests on for that show. The, uh, the two hour kickoff special. It all, all right. depends on how we go, how things go between now and then. Uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Um, We'll be back next Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are going to go over, let's see, we will have the final 53 by then, will we not? We'll have the final 53. We will have uh, a good idea of, you know, have they made any moves to improve this offensive line? We'll have we'll have a lot to talk about with the Ravens game to break down because uh, sure. some of the starters are playing that game. So please join us then. Um, and if you guys, until next time, we'll. Oh. If you guys don't remember anything else from this entire show tonight, remember this: these guys are paid professionals. They know what they're doing. Look, just calm down and breathe. <laughs> it's going to be okay, guys. Uh, go ahead and spell relax. R e l a x. All right. I, uh, thank I you guys for joining to- us tonight. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Uh, We'll see you next time on Under the Dome. All right. Good night.